Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kievman. And in the past two weeks, we have been getting ready and preparing ourselves here on Soul to Soul for Pesach. And we'll continue today. What we need to do now is to get into the mode. So much preparation, much anticipation. And finally, in a few days, Pesach is here. It's time for celebration. So let us sink our teeth into how to actually conduct your Pesach Seder because that is the main theme and event of the Pesach holiday. And very interestingly, that we refer to the holiday as Pesach. God passed over our homes. We're emphasizing the miracles and wonders that God performed for our ancestors 3,335 years ago when we left Egypt. But you know what it was referred to as in the Torah? God calls the holiday Chag HaMatzot, the festival of matzahs, emphasizing our faith, our belief in which we left Egypt in such a hurry because we had strong emuna, betachan, faith and belief in God that God will rescue us. So now's the time we pull out those agadas and follow the 15 steps, the simanim that are recited at the beginning of the Seder. And it's a good idea. This Shabbos, which is called Shabbos Hagadol, great Shabbos, to start. Actually, there's a custom on Shabbos Hagadol to read through the Haggadah after Mincha this Shabbos afternoon, just to get into the mode. And actually, it's sort of a rehearsal, a preparation as the Shabbos preceding Pesach, on this great Shabbos, to get ready for Pesach in that way. So it is a good idea, Shabbos afternoon at Mencha. Pull out your Haggadah, dust it off, make sure there's no chametz around, and just do a nice review of your Haggadah before we sink our teeth and launch right into the Seder on Wednesday night. Now someone's asking why it's called Shabbos Haggadah, the Great Shabbos. It's a good question. And there are many special customs actually that are associated with Shabbos. And it was in Egypt that the Jewish people, our ancestors, celebrated the very first Shabbos Haggadah, which back then was on the 10th of Nisan. And ladies and gents, I have a very special surprise to share with you that this year, Shabbos Haggadah, I mean, the entire Exodus experience is the same exact sequence as it was in the year of the Exodus. Could you believe it? Actually, the last time that happened was in 2020. The year of COVID was also like that. So the Shabbos Haggadah this year is really a reenactment. And the Seder this year, everything is exact as the days of the week. Five days before the actual redemption took place. The actual redemption took place on a Thursday in the year of the Exodus, on the 15th of Nisan. And this year too, we celebrate Pesach starting on the eve of the 15th, which turns out this year as well, on Thursday. Obviously, the night before is when the Seder took place, and that's our reenactment. But it's not just a reenactment. We are actually reliving and tapping into the energy that's in the air. So to answer the question about Shabbos Hagadol, five days before the redemption took place, on that day, the children of Israel were given the very first commandment, and which applied only to that Shabbos, not to future generations. So although it's Shabbos Haggadah again, if we go back into the Torah, 
to the book of Shemos, we are told that on the 10th day of the month of Nisan, everyone was to take a lamb to their household, a lamb for each home. Selabois. And this mitzvah of preparing the lamb, bringing that lamb into their homes, to get it ready for the Karban Pesach, for the Pesach offering that the Jews were instructed to do, before it was even brought, because they were only going to bring it on Wednesday, the day before, the evening before their actual emancipation, their liberation from their slavery. And that was only that year. Of course, we tap into that energy again now. The Torah doesn't tell us that we have to continue to do so. We don't take a lamb into our house this Shabbos. But we could tell the story. And nevertheless, we know that people continue to do this to make sure their lambs had no blemishes, which would preclude them from bringing the carbon Pesach. And this is something people have done since. Many miracles actually happened for the Jewish people on this great Shabbos called the Shabbos Hagadol. The Torah commanded them to take these lambs and to tie them to their bedpost. When I was a kid in school, they actually used to walk around the school with a nice little Shepsele going, <laughs> excuse my cough, I can't replicate that sound. But when they did this, of course, this got the curiosity of their Egyptian neighbors who actually worshipped the lamb, the sheep. And the people asked, what's this for? What are you doing? And the children of Israel, the Jewish people answered, it is to be slaughtered as a carbon Pesach, a sacrifice to God. This is what God, our only master, commanded. <clears throat> and so the Egyptians who worshipped the lamb, they obviously realized their cause was lost, and the Jews were no, lumber, no longer subjected to them as slaves. There were many other miracles that were performed in connection with the Karban Pesach, and that's why we refer to this Shabbos as Shabbos Hagadol. Now, of course, the obvious question is, why do we commemorate the miracle on the Shabbos before Pesach, as it is in this year's sequence, rather than Maybe we should do it on the 10th of Nisan. But every year we know it's always the Shabbos before Pesach. It's called Shabbos HaGadol. But why are we celebrating on the Shabbos and not on the date on which it actually took place? We see that the Torah itself mentions only the date rather than the day of the week. So the Torah itself says that it is the 10th of Nisan. So why are we always commemorating it actually on the Shabbos, not on the 10th. And perhaps it is because the miracle is actually so closely connected to Shabbos. The Egyptians were aware that we as a Jewish people have this sacred hallowed day called Shabbos that we observe every week. And we didn't busy ourselves with tending animals on that day. So when the Egyptians saw that the Jewish people were taking lambs and binding them to their bedposts on Shabbos, they were surprised. And that's why they were curious. And they decided to investigate what's going on, what's happening. And of course, our ancestors were in great danger when they were confronted. Here are their taskmasters who are coming to them and worried about their slaves taking their deity that they worship and doing what they wish with it. And of course, the fact that this didn't erupt into a war, is itself something it shows that the Exodus experience was already happening because the taskmasters fully understood 
Who's boss? After ten plagues, Hashem already showed them. Well, nine plagues by that point. And so we commemorate the miracle on Shabbos because Shabbos is an important element. We don't take animals, we don't tend to our sheep on a Shabbos, but in that particular instance, it was part of the great miracle. And had it not been Shabbos, the Bnei Yisrael would not have needed a miracle to save them. They would have been able to deceive the Egyptians, maybe diverting their attention, making up some kind of explanation. But the Egyptians were well aware that on a Shabbos, a Jew would not be playing, would not be taking in a lamb, tying it to the bedpost. Right? Even an ignorant person wouldn't tell lies on Shabbos. So they knew when they see that they were endangered because of their observance of Shabbos. And yet the Jews defied the rules and despite their Egyptian taskmasters, they stood strong and tall. So we recall the miracle on Shabbos, not ju- not on the 10th of Nisan, but specifically on Shabbos. Because we know that for 40 years, we know that 40 years later, Miriam actually passed away on that day. And the well which accompanied the children of Israel during their journey, the 40 years in the wilderness, that provided them with water during that whole period, that had disappeared. So when the anniversary of Miriam's death falls on a weekday, many people have accustomed to fast for the righteous. But on Shabbos, even though it was the 10th of Nisan, on Shabbos we don't fast, and so we remember, and there are many ways and customs that are observed in particular on this Shabbos, the Shabbos of Shabbos Hagadol. And we'll talk a little bit more about those when we're back in just a moment. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. And welcome back to Salt to Soul, right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Eric Kievman. Like I said, there are many customs on Shabbos HaGadol. I'm not going to go through all of them. But one in particular that I started mentioning that even sort of derailed me into the discussion about Shabbos HaGadol is the custom to read part of the Haggadah on Shabbos HaGadol. So we start with the words, Avadimayinu, you know the song, Avadimayinu, Hayinu. It's a time for a rehearsal, to practice to get in the mode, we talk about the low part. We were slaves, and there we go through much of the Haggadah, much of the Magid section where we tell the story, concluding with the words, Lechapra al to atone for all of our sins. And one reason for this is that the redemption began, as we know, on Shabbos Haggadah, as the miracles that I was describing. Another reason is we want to familiarize ourselves and everyone around us with the Haggadah. You sort of need a little bit of rehearsal because we need to tell the story on Pesach. And so, by reading from the Haggadah on Shabbos Haggadah, it's sort of that rehearsal for the Seder, and it helps us to become more familiar with the text, and that is one of the major customs. In Sephardic communities, it's customary that when people greet each other on the Shabbos, they actually say, Shabbat Haggadol Mevorach, a blessed Shabbos Haggadol. So that's another custom that some people have. From as long as the days of the Tanayim and Amarayim, the great Talmudic sages, it has been customary in Jewish communities throughout the world for the outstanding great Talmud Chacham, the rabbi of the community, to address the congregation on this Shabbos before Pesach. The purpose of this address is to teach the people the ways of God and to instruct them in the halachas, the laws of Pesach. And the rabbi 
explains to the community how utensils have to be prepared for use on Pesach, how to kasha them, how to remove the chametz from them, the various laws concerning the baking of matzahs. Today we buy them from the bakery or from the shops ready-made, but the purpose is to ensure that the people do not make mistakes, do not earn the slightest degree in their observance of the festival of Pesach. And it's also customary for the rabbi to add other material and to speak to the heart, to inspire, to influence his community on various subjects of topical interest. Certainly, you're welcome to join us at the Santon Central Shul, 8 Stella Street, Chowtrain, across the Chowtrain, where no doubt, yours truly will share inspirational messages for this Shabbos Agadol. So, it is customary this Shabbos that we do things to get ready for Pesach, as we discussed and so we invite you to join us at our shul or any shul you go to. No doubt the rabbis will be sharing with you inspirational messages. But for now, what I would like to do is actually to get into the Seder itself. We talked a few weeks ago about what is the various preparations from searching our houses out for chametz, from ridding ourselves of the chametz, all the way to the Erev Pesach idea of Erev Tavshilin, to make sure that we can cook from Yom Tov to Shabbos. And now let's talk about the actual day of Yom Tov itself. By the way, one should not eat a full meal on Erev Pesach. Uh, certainly not to eat matzah on Erev Pesach, so you have a hearty appetite for this Pesach dinner. That's not to be confused with the afikoma, because afikoma in itself is actually to be consumed on a satiated, full stomach. But let's get into welcoming Pesach. In the Chabad tradition, and many others have a custom, Erev Pesach, to actually read and review the story of the Karban Pesach, of how the Paschal Lamb was offered. It is fascinating to read, actually, Josephus, who was sort of the Chai FM at his time, who would broadcast and share, well, I don't know about broadcast exactly, but he was a journalist, a news reporter, and he describes a lot about what it looked like in Jerusalem being there. You can imagine how festive it was, and having all the different people coming and bringing their their Paschal lambs, it must have been a very interesting sight to behold. So that's something that many people have accustomed to review. Of course, we know that women and girls have the special mitzvah to kindle the Yom Tov candles. On the first night of Pesach, two blessings are recited. The first one is for the holiday itself, Lahadlik Ner Shal Yom Tov, and the second candle is Shachianu, the Kiyamanu, the Giyanu Lizmanazet. We bless, we thank God for allowing us, <coughs> excuse me, to live yet another year and to experience the special mitzvah that only comes around each year on Pesach. And for those who go to shul, now's the time to go off to shul and to enjoy to celebrate, to sing the songs, the praise. Many have a custom, as is the Chabad tradition, to recite Hallel on the Pesach, on Pesach night, both nights of the Seder, not only as part of the Seder, but actually as part of the evening service. It's not a very long service, but no doubt that having a little bit of Hallel will certainly add some Length, but it's definitely jubilant and joyous and worthwhile and a beautiful custom. People always ask me the most difficult questions around Pesach, and sometimes I really don't know, especially with the latest question coming around. Is medical marijuana kosher for Pesach? I got a friend who sells it. Well, I don't know, but I would assume is Pesach also part of the high holidays? Ha ha. Okay. So my friends, leading rabbis were asked, and after a long deliberation, 
and testing many leaves. I wonder how you applied to get that job. Anyways, on a serious note, there's something high, not only about the high holidays, but about Pesach itself. There's something really special that's happening on Pesach. And as we talked in the past weeks, we really have to tap into the special energy, the symptoms of this moment. You could really feel it. You could even touch the special atmosphere. And we know, surprisingly, the Pesach Seder actually is one of the most celebrated Jewish rituals, more than Rosh Hashanah, more than Yom Kippur breakfast, and even more than Hanukkah parties. Okay, it's pretty surprising because for many people, the Seder could feel long and boring and drawn out. You can't even eat dinner for an hour into the Seder. You know, what is, you know, munching on some uh, matzah, drinking some wine. It's 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 fascinating that so many people actually are drawn into the Seder. And when we sit at the Seder and talk about the story of our people leaving Egypt, it's very important that we don't talk about the story of the past. Because when we view the Seder experience as a story that happened to our people a long time ago, then we're making that huge mistake. Because in Hebrew, there's actually no word for history. In Hebrew, you would say history, it's actually like an English word, or I don't know, etymologically maybe in, in Latin, They'll say historia. But historia is not the, <coughs> is not a Hebrew word. It is the word history just uh, Hebraicized. History is his story. It's not about me. It has nothing to do with me. It's actually someone else's story. It's the other guy. Moses' story. His story. Maybe her story. But in Judaism, we don't view the story of Pesach as his story. It's actually my story. It's alive, it's relevant, it's real. The actual word or the closest word you can find in in Jewish scripture or in Hebrew to history might be zikaron or zachar to, re, to remember, memory. Memory is very different. Memory is all about me, right? Think about it. It's my memory. It's all about my story. So, in other words, Egypt is not just this geographical place on the map. Egypt is actually a state of being. To paraphrase Dale Carnegie's expression that the Nile is not just a river in Egypt. Egypt is not just a geographic location in the Middle East. The Hebrew word for Egypt, Mitzrayim, also means boundaries, constraints, limitations. We all have our own challenges, struggles, difficulties. We are some, in some ways like slaves. Maybe not in shackles, but we all have our own inhibitions, our fears, our habits, our addictions that perhaps prevent us from expressing our true inner self, from reaching our spiritual potential. Our souls are stuck in selfishness, laziness, and most significantly in these boxes that we build for ourselves. We think, who am I? I can't climb beyond them. I can't get out of it. And we start creating these, we put titles on ourselves, labels, I'm a this Jew, I'm a that Jew. Huge boxes and walls that we build around ourselves that are stopping us from climbing out of our own personal Egypt, from out of our own slave mentality. But on Pesach at the Seder, my friends, we are celebrating Pesach. What's Pesach? First of all, Pesach itself literally means the mouth speaks. We have to talk, discuss. We're all sounding boards to each other. But Pesach is, it's Passover. 
On Pesach, we are given the gift to be able to pass over those obstacles, those limitations, those constraints, and we could achieve true inner freedom. So when we talk about Egypt and Pharaoh and all that, we're not just talking about the historical story of our ancestors, that too, but we're making it real. We're talking about our own Egypt, our own Pharaoh, our own enslavement. We are embracing the opportunity to leave our own Egypt, to become unstuck, to break all these boxes that we've built around ourselves, limiting our ability to grow spiritually, to develop. And this is why so many Jews actually feel so connected to the Seder. Because you see some people are compulsive gamblers and others are compulsive eaters. But we Jews are simply compulsive doers. We are addicted Not only do we have our habits and addictions that perhaps are negative, but we are addicted to growth, to spiritual development. We're never happy enough. We're not content. We want to push our limits to do more, to grow more. And this is probably where all that Jewish guilt comes from. We're never good enough. And that's why the Seder is so loved. It's an amazing gift of being able to break through, of becoming free and reaching those new horizons. So ladies and gents, The point is to think of that one slave mentality, that one Egypt within ourselves, that one blockage, that one wall, that one habit or negative thing that's still lingering on within ourselves and to take a step forward, to take that deep breath, to allow the power of Pesach to lift us, to pass us up, to to bring us to a greater place, to rise higher than the stuckness. And yes, we could all do more. We could all study, learn more Torah. Yes, gentlemen, you could put on tefillin. You could do more Jewish things. Yes, you can call your loved ones and reach out to them even if there was a faribal. You can light your yamtiv candles There's so much that each of us can do. And this is the point. It's not just about the food we eat. That too is enjoyable. But the point is that we leave behind the blockages, the challenges, the struggles, and get ready to emancipate ourselves. And so, as we discussed, there are 15 steps of the Seder. And those 15 steps that we tap into this ability of being ourselves, each step helps us unpeel another layer of our superficialness and to express our true selves. According to Jewish mysticism, on the Seder night, the heavens are wide open. It's called Leil Shumurim, just like God protected and guarded our ancestors back then from the slave, from the plague of the firstborn, the death of the firstborn. Well, That energy is present now too. And so on the Seder night, it's not just the heavens that are open, but our hearts, our minds are wide open. And we have the opportunity to tap into the deepest of the deepest layers of our soul. That's why we have four cups to help us get there. So my friends, let's put aside any distractions on the Pesach night. Let's disconnect from whatever negativity, from whatever pessimism, and connect deep within our own souls in this powerful holiday. So let's think about what are these 15 steps. And before we go through the Seder, besides for the rehearsal you'll do on Shabbos Agadol, there are 15 
steps of the Seder. And before we start, we actually read them aloud. We have a song to remind ourselves what the 15 steps of the Seder are. And we want to keep things flowing so we remind ourselves exactly what it is. So let's go through them step by step. I think I sang them to you last week. So you could always go back to the podcast to get the song. And since my voice is a little hoarse, I'll skip the song today. But let's delve right into it. First step is Kadesh. What's Kadesh? We make Kiddush together. Ladies and gents, my friends, Pesach is a festival. It's the most enjoyable. It's a festival of our freedom. But like every Shabbos, it is sanctified over a cup of wine, a sacramental Kiddush. And so certainly those who are allergic or those who who are perhaps diabetic or whatever other reasons or conditions or children can use grape juice instead. And unlike a regular Friday night when usually it's just the leader of the family, the home, the leader of the pack who recites Kiddush on Pesach, every single member of the family all participate in making Kiddush. The cup of Kiddush, for, for all the cups of the Seder, in fact, we have a certain minimum amount, and now's the time to make sure that you have a cup that's not too big, so you could drink Rov Kos, most of the cup. You're welcome to drink a big cup too, but we're told the minimum requirement is 86 ml, which means you have to drink at least 45 milliliters. You fill the cup, we have an expression, King David says in Tehillim, Kosi Revoyo, our cup overfloweth, so we want to make sure the cup is overflowing with blessings, we want this imagery of of that overflowing blessing. And we lift the cup and we recite the Kiddush together. It's a beautiful tune that's specifically used on Yom Tov, on Pesach. If you don't understand it in Hebrew, you can actually read it in English. And when you're done, we drink the majority of that cup, at least 45 mil. But we don't just gulp it down. While we drink this and all the cups of the evening, we make sure to recline in our seat towards our left side. And this is the traditional way to demonstrate that we are free, noble people. We are royalty. Royalty and nobility used to eat and drink in this way. And for all the ritual eatings of this night that are associated with freedom, we make sure to recline, we get into the spirit of freedom, the spirit of Pesach, and this is the first step of the Seder. The Kiddush, don't forget to conclude with me singing the bracha of Shechayanu Vekiyamanu Vehigiyanu Lizaman Hazah And after that, you make your way to step number two, called Urchatz, where we go to wash our hands, but we don't say a bracha. Unlike on Friday night, you would usually make your way to wash your hands and recite a bracha and get straight to the bread. But now after the after washing your hands, you don't say a bracha. Because on this night, we do things to pick the curiosity of the attendants, of the children, or the child within ourselves. And so now we go to step number three, which is called karpas. And karpas is where we are going to take a vegetable, different customs of what vegetable to use, and we are going to dip it into salt water. 
This, of course, is something different than usual where you would usually go straight to the bread. Maybe you would want to go straight to the matzah. But we know that a key ingredient of the Pesach Seder is to do things that are different, to get the kids' curiosity. And so by doing something bizarre, something enigmatic that we're not used to, then of course it's out of the ordinary and it gets people wondering, what are we doing? Shouldn't we be starting dinner now? No, not yet. We're doing things that are different. So we take a vegetable, different customs of what vegetable. We're going to dip it into salt water. The salt water, of course, commemorates the tears of our enslaved ancestors. We're going to recite the blessing and we're going to eat this vegetable. And, of course, there's deep meaning and purpose behind it, which we're going to discuss in just a moment. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 High FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kievman, and we're in the middle of going through the 15 steps of the Seder. We're up to step number three. We're in the middle of talking about karpas. And we said that one of the reasons we do this is to get the kids to ask questions. Why are we doing this? Usually we're right away going, launching into the meal at this point, but we know that we want the kids to ask questions. And that's why we do things that are a little bit out of order and different. Getting the kids to ask questions teaches an important thing about education. Sometimes we have to get creative. When we want to relay a message to the youth, instead of just taking a hammer and forcing the kids to sit and listen, if we get just a little bit creative, we can find more pleasant ways to keep their attention. And we know that the key to learning is inquisitiveness. Children need to be taught to ask questions. We can just tell them what Pesach is all about. But we much prefer that they ask questions and that we relate the story as an answer to their question. And in this way, there's a much better chance that they'll be listening because they're curious as to why we do things. And it teaches the kids to continue to ask questions, to to seek meaning in everything that they see. And so each of us can tap into the child within ourselves and remind ourselves to ask questions. Rabbi Torsky of blessed memory would often say that every day before he went to school or when he came back from school, don't remember, but his mother or father used to ask him, what did you learn? Well, instead of asking, what did you learn? They would ask, what good question did you ask today? Even if there'll be no children at your Seder, you ask the questions. And the message of education, it's, it's, it's a universal message. And we need to inspire ourselves to be more inquisitive and we need to inspire our children and grandchildren. So let's use the karpas to think about the aspects of Judaism that we should really be exploring further. We need to ask questions. Whether you're asking on ChabadSouthAfrica.org or you're calling your local rabbi or you're just asking yourself and taking, taking a deep look in the mirror and saying, am I growing? Am I learning? Am I nurturing my soul? There's so many questions we could ask ourselves. Or ultimate one to ask the questions to is Almighty God HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so my friends, the karpas, the vegetable, our sages tell us, it represents the body, our ego, our self, and the salty water which we talked about representing the salty tears is about the the painful, difficult struggles and challenges that we sometimes go through. We know that salt is a cleanser and tears are an expression of our soul. So we cleanse our bodies with our soul's tears. We're freeing ourselves from our own inner 
obstacles. So tap into the third step of the Seder. Do exactly that. Get yourself inquisitive and curious and remember the symbolism of the vegetable, the karpas, representing the body, our ego, our self, and dip it into the salty water that represents those tears, the expression of our soul. And so we make sure to cleanse our bodies with those tears and free ourselves from those obstacles that perhaps we go through. The next step of the Seder, step number four, is called Yachatz. What's Yachatz? Well, Yachatz literally means broken. There's nothing as whole as a broken heart, goes the Hasidic expression. Through challenges, we become stronger. No one's perfect. We are we all have our own brokenness. But God doesn't ask us to be what we're not. God asks us to be the person that he gave us the ability to be. So when we break that middle matzah in step number four, we remind ourselves that we can make something beautiful in our lives with what is broken. We don't always have a perfect instrument with which to play. And yet somehow, we somehow from our imperfect place, we're capable of creating music that is sweeter and more beautiful than we might have ever imagined. We could even have a pretty poor season and whatever it might be. But then ultimately, we will all get to a place, to a state of growth, of development. And I think it's important that whatever challenges we go through, we realize we could rise to a higher place you know, there was a famous children's author, a book author, I forget his name, I think it was Alan Silverman or something, and he wrote a book called The Broken Peace. It was a children's book, and this book describes this little piece, uh, a wheel actually, that was broken, and how it found its, it was looking for its missing piece, and we too in life were broken, or sometimes Searching, seeking meaning, looking for that broken, where's that missing piece of ourselves? And then ultimately, eventually, the broken wheel, which was looking for the missing wedge, finds its missing part. The story in the children's book describes that while it was broken and limping, not having a perfect circular dimension, it was constantly limping along. Seeking, looking for that part. And along the way, while looking, it encountered so many friends. Got to see the beautiful picturesque landscapes and meet beautiful flowers and insects and waterfalls and everything along the beautiful way. And then one day, Yagata Umatsasa, searching and seeking, and he found his missing wedge and then reunited stuck back together but unfortunately now the circle the wheel kept moving at such a fast pace that it missed those days not to say we need to be broken in our lives but this step of breaking the matzah and putting aside the piece that's going to be reserved later for afikoman and reciting the next step of the Seder, the Magid, on the Lechem Oni, the poor man's bread, is the idea 
that we embrace that brokenness because we realize we can actually grow from whatever we're shattered in our lives. And so that's step number four. And from that, we launch into step number five of the Haggadah, which is a the most important part probably, called Magid, where we're going to pour another piece, another cup of wine, just like the first one, but we're not ready to drink it yet. And we're going to recite the Haggadah over this part of the, this is the main part over this cup of wine. And we start with the four questions. And these are the questions that the children ask. They're already asking questions. There's a, <coughs> excuse me, there is a formula, the specific questions that the children ask. And adults can ask it too. But you're not limited to four questions. Keep asking. It's all about inquisitiveness. There's lots to ask. And even if there's no children present at the Seder, it's still important that we ask the questions to ourselves and to Almighty God. And this is where we begin to recite the story as an answer to those questions. And of course, this is the most important mitzvah of the evening, is to tell the story. And that is Magid. We start on a low, we end on the high, and we recite the story of our descent into Egypt and how ultimately we were freed. And of course, we have to see our own personal experience, our own journeys in the story of the Seder, of the Haggadah of Magid. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here at 101.9. Chai FM, I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kivan. It's amazing how fast time flies. So we certainly want to know what to do for the rest of the Seder. So I'm going to move a little bit quicker. There are obviously the various steps of Magid going through the story, telling the story, reciting of the story about the four children. We have to know there's a fifth child who's not present who we have to reach out to. And now's the time to reach out to that child and to tell the story how in every generation there are enemies who try to destroy us and how a God rescues us and saves us. And we as a Jewish people don't just survive, but we thrive. We recite the 10 plagues. We remember the wonders and miracles with which God Perform, that God performed for our ancestors in Egypt. And there's a custom that during, when you say those 10 plagues, we pour out a little bit of wine for each one of those plagues because we're not celebrating the downfall of our, of our enemy. We're not rejoicing anyone's suffering, even that of the vile Egyptian oppressors who really persecuted our ancestors, but rather we are celebrating our own freedom. There's a big difference between the two. We sing Dayenu. It's a fun song, which is familiar to so many people about an attitude of gratitude, being grateful for all of the blessings in life. And we list the various parts, the various miracles that God performed, and how each one we are so grateful for. Regardless of how much we choose to say, one of the most important parts of the Magid, and it could take some time to go through it and pace yourself, but the most important part is towards the end of Magid, where the Haggadah discusses the three mitzvahs of Pesach. Pesach, Matzah, and Marer. And we cite a certain Rabbi Gamliel, who said that one who doesn't recite these three actually has not fulfilled their obligation of Pesach. So make sure to recite them and to look at the, the different aspects, the, the shank bone that represents the Pesach. And the Matzah and the Marah, and the conclusion of the Magid, we recite Hallel and we praise and bless God for all the miracles. And then we recline after reciting the Bracha Borei and drink our matzah. The next step of the Seder is 
That was step number five. Magid, Rachta, go wash your hands as you do for any ritual blessing for any time you're going to eat bread. And then Motzi, make the bracha on the Motzi. And then the next step is Matzah. Matzah is where you're going to eat and actually eat your matzah. So we have to eat a particular shiur. Most of your Haggadahs will tell you the required amount of matzah that is necessary. It's something interesting to observe. We know that we eat the matzah that's flavorless, yet we drink the wine that is filled with flavor. And perhaps that tells us that at the Pesach Seder, we have both aspects. And in general, in our Judaism, matzah, where we do the mitzvahs because God said so, whether we appreciate it or not, like the matzah, which is flavorless, it doesn't matter to us whether we appreciate it. We do it because Hashem said so. But yet, like the wine, and in fact, there's four cups of wine, is in order to appreciate the depth, the meaning, the purpose of why God gives us our commandments. And so... We have to have a mix of both. We can't only celebrate our Judaism in a way that is to our understanding that's filled with flavor like the wine. Yet, we also should try and endeavor to, it's a combination of faith and appreciation that's necessary in all aspects of our Jewish life. Let us look at the next steps very quickly. We go into the marar, which is the bitter herbs. We fulfill the mitzvah to eat marar. It's actually a biblical obligation. And we take some lettuce or horseradish and we dip it into the charosas and we recite the bracha al-achilas marar. And because this is not a celebratory, it's bitterness, so we don't recline for this one. We go to the next steps. We have korech, the special sandwich. Long before any sandwiches were created, Jews were eating Meat, which we're not going to do now because that's too reminiscent of the carbon Pesach. But without sans the meat, we're going to have the bitter herbs with the charoses inside our matzah. In Chabad custom, make sure it's dry and we actually recline eating that sandwich. Then we begin the festive meal. No doubt we make sure it's a mitzvah to eat, to be merry on a holiday. But we start the meal traditionally with the egg because we miss the temple. We miss offering the carbon Pesach as it was back in the day. So we are going to eat the egg dipped in salt water, but then enjoy a festive yamtav meal. Now, whatever you're going to eat for dessert, enjoy. But before, but the concluding and final taste you're going to have for the evening of any food will be the matzah that you eat for the afikoman. And reminiscent of the carbon Pesach, we eat it on a full stomach, satiated from the dinner just like the carbon Pesach back in the day, the lamb <coughs> would be in a full stomach. And so the final food we're going to eat for the evening is the afikoman. Let's just go through a few more points. We are going to fill up the third cup like the first two and also fill up a cup for Elijah. And we're going to get ready for the conclusion of the evening. The Elijah's cup, which Elijah is the harbinger of redemption. So... We want that on a night that we celebrate the original emancipation from slavery in Egypt to finally experience peace for the whole world, which Eliyahu Navi would come to bring to herald the redemption. After the Afikoman of filling the cup for Elijah the prophet, we bench grace after meal, being grateful to God for all our blessings in life. And then we go to Hallel, which is singing praises, more songs, and Nirza, Nirza is where we conclude the Seder, realizing that God has accepted our Seder, our commemoration, our reenactment 
of our exodus from Egypt. And so we conclude the Seder by singing Shana Haba'a Yerushalayim. Next year, please God, we should be able to celebrate in Jerusalem. And why wait till next year? Let this year be in Jerusalem. So please God, all of us will have a meaningful and beautiful Pesach. Please God in Jerusalem. But if God forbid Mashiach is not here by then, then you're welcome to come join us in one of our final last rooms at the Pesach Retreat in Rustenburg at Hunter's Rest. Let us know if you want to join Touch Base. Until then, this has been Rabbi Ari Kivim reminding you to stay strong, to aspire to inspire before you retire and don't expire. Carpe diem, seize every moment. Thank you all for joining us here on Soul to Soul. Wishing you a great Shabbos, Hagadol, and a kosher, festive, and joyous Pesach. God bless you all.